Good morning, friends. Today is the day that the Lord has made. Let's stand together and worship.
Tampa. A lot of us, or at least the women in the room, were together on Thursday night at the Real Women's event where we had Rebecca Lyons come and share her life um, and her story with us. And Rebecca shared from a book that she had written called Rhythms of Life. She shared about four rhythms that the Lord had impressed upon her heart in which to live out her life. And it's rest, restore, connect, create. And her suggestion was that every single day, every single season of our life, we kind of cycle through these rhythms. And it's rest, that first rhythm, that really uh, pertains to what we're doing here this morning. That Rebecca suggests that it's from this place of rest, when we worship God, when we commune with God, when we pray, when we're in Scripture, our time spent with Jesus, that's when he fills us up that we can live out the rest of our life. And so that's what Sunday is. God set aside Sunday. He called it holy. He called it the Sabbath day. It's our day of rest, that it's from this day, the first day of the week, that we get filled up to live out the other six days. Or think about a 24-hour cycle. A new day doesn't begin at 8 a.m. The new day starts at midnight. And the first five hours of your day, whether you wake up at five or seven hours, if you wake up at seven, those first hours of your day are spent in rest. 
It's when God provides for us. It's when he sustains us. And then we live out the rest of our day from that moment. And so that's what we get to do together every single time we gather is we're resting in the presence of Jesus. We're receiving from him. He's providing. And in return, we're giving him our worship and our praise because he's worthy of it. So if you're new, we're so glad you're here. We would love to meet you. The best way to do that is by filling out a Connect card. There are paper cards, or you can scan the QR code and fill it out online. And we would love to just meet you and know who you are. And then we have something really exciting and new uh, that we are launching today. And we're going to check out a video to learn more. Welcome to our study of the Gospel of John. I have fallen in love with the work of Paul as I've studied the book of 1 Corinthians, and I believe you will too. This is where Jesus taught in Capernaum, and you have to understand this scene. The Lord is my shepherd. And over the next six weeks, we're gonna look deeply into the 23rd Psalm. Right Now Media, it's for groups, it's for personal devotion. It's for parents. The bullseye of parenting is to raise children who become like Jesus. It's for kids. This is Phil. We're digging into the Bible, which, as we've mentioned, is more than just a book. It's for tough times. So when you recognize that you're trying to have a conversation with your spouse and they're not ready to talk, it's not helpful to keep pressing right. them. It's for every phase of life. If you've made mistakes with money, you know what that makes you? Over 12. And now, it's yours. We've purchased a Right Now Media subscription for everyone in our church. So check your inbox for the digital invitation and download the app for instant access to thousands of biblically-based videos. Get equipped. Get inspired. So in September, my role here at the church was expanded. I'm still doing what I've been doing, but now I'm also uh, the director of life groups. And so this is something that we are rolling out for our life groups. Uh, there's over, as you can see, there's over 20,000 videos that we have access to, but it's also for personal devotion. My husband used to, we had a subscription uh, a different way with this, and he used to use this as his personal devotion in the morning. Uh, there's videos to watch with your kids, with your spouse. It's just a huge resource, and we as a church have bought a subscription, and because of that, you get it for free. So you're going to get, if I got your email correct, you're going to get an invitation directly to your inbox at 11 a.m. You just click a couple buttons, sign up, and boom, you have access to all this on your phone. You can watch it on your TV. If you don't get the email to your inbox, you still have access to it. You can scan this QR code or get in touch with me, and I'll make sure um, you, can, you can get to it. But we're just so excited to offer this to our church, and we know that the Lord's going to use use it um, in all of our lives. So having said all that, let me pray for us this morning. Jesus, thank you that you invite us into a place of rest with you, Lord. Um, you don't ask us to bring anything. You don't ask us to do anything. You ask us to just be in your presence. And so Jesus, I pray that this morning as we sit here in your presence, that you would fill us up with your love, that we would rest in the knowledge, God, that you're going to take care of us. Wherever we came into this room, however we were feeling, Lord, I pray that we would leave knowing um, that you're the one who sustains us and fills us up. 
Lord, I pray over um, Sarah McDonald's dad who is continuing in his battle with pancreatic cancer. And Jesus, I pray specifically over his visit to Shans this week on Wednesday, Lord, um, as he has scans done and blood work done. Jesus, I pray that the treatment he's been under, Lord, four rounds of chemo, Lord, we, we, our prayer is that the tumor has shrunk. Lord, our prayer is that the medicine is working. And Jesus, we ask that you would sustain Sarah and her mom and her dad and her whole family as they walk through this cancer journey with him. Lord, thank you for the people in this room and the way we love each other well, Jesus, because we're a family. And we just give you our hearts and our lives this morning. Amen. Good morning, y'all. Whoa, that was slow. I'm thinking you're maybe a little bit tired, but you're going to be waking up this morning, let me tell you. I would love to introduce to you four women that are featured right here. You see Heidi, Betsy, LaPerthia, and Rosie from Created Cuisine, who are going to be your chefs for Trunk or Treat on Sunday, the 23rd of October. And these amazing women are going to be cooking up the greatest meal imaginable. That makes it possible not only for you to come and enjoy Trunk or Treat as a family or as an individual, but you, Mom and Dad, you don't have to cook that night. Created Cuisine is preparing this meal of pasta with red sauce and meatballs or pasta with meatballs and a butter sauce and Parmesan cheese option with a salad and really delicious bread. It will be so yummy. And all you have to do is pre-order your meal or meals by the 17th of October. So who knew that by ordering this delicious family favorite meal that you would not only be filling up the bellies of your own family members, but filling up the hearts of women like Betsy and Rosie and LaPerthia and Heidi, women who have been trafficked in our city and are just now beginning to believe that they have dignity and beauty and value in Christ through the ministry of Created, with whom we as a church are in partnership. So Created Cuisine was developed by the Ministry of Created to create job skills through certified culinary training that is legit and start a catering business that we hope will be the most sought after in our city. Created Cuisine was designed to restore, redeem, and transform lives. That's what God's generosity does, one life at a time. So ordering meatballs and pasta redeems and transforms lives. Using our six platforms, along with the generosity box in the back of the room, to give back to God, restores, redeems, and transforms lives. Let's let pasta and meatballs do its real job of changing a life. Let's stand together.
That rocket gets you fired up? Huh? You ready to go? We're going to launch. We're going to live. We're going to love. We're going to launch. And the first way I want to talk about how we're going to do these three things, <coughs> excuse me, is illustrated right here. Toilet paper, diapers, personal stuff. And here's what this is about. This is about Hurricane Ivan, and this is about Cape Coral, and this is about Faith Presbyterian Church in Cape Coral. Excuse me. <coughs> Kathy, would you go get me a bottle of water or something just got in my throat? Here's what's going on is you, you and I want to do stuff. We want to make a difference. And you've blown up Kathy's email. She sent you saying, can I help? What can I do? And it's going to just happen. It's happening organically. Here's what I want to make sure you know is really clear. Lots of things that people can do. But what we're going to do is everything we can over time, as long as we can do it, to help these people at this Presbyterian church. Let me have the cap so I don't pour it all over myself. There we go. Thank you, Kathy. So Faith Presbyterian Church, the interim pastor is a friend of ours, and she used to live and work here, and I've done stuff with her, a project, got to know her real well, and just turns out that she's there. They were devastated. The church was devastated. If you look on, go and look on a map, you'll see Cape Coral, a design community with all these canals, and the water just came way up. And so Nancy, the interim pastor of the church, and Kathy have been talking a lot. I've been talking with her a little I have a text message from her that I just got this morning. I told her I was going to be doing this. I told her all this stuff, and I said, hugs. Hugs fits to you. The biblical generosity we need for the Christian family here is prayers for strength and endurance, the presence of brothers and sisters in the Christian family, and real tangible help for lost goods and restoring homes. (sighs) If you are like I am, I think you probably felt the dread Then we saw it going somewhere else, and we felt relief, but we also knew what it meant. We knew someone else was going to get whacked, and they did. And so we're going to do whatever we do, but I want to be really clear about how we're going to help these folks at this church. They're meeting this morning right now out on the lawn. Their church itself, the building was badly damaged. The roof was blown off. They have a half a million dollar Uh, deductible on their damage policy. So the first half million to repair it is going to have to come out of their own pockets to get going. But we're going on this Friday morning and this Saturday morning, 8 a.m. to 12 noon, Friday 8 a.m. to 12, Saturday 8 a.m. to 12, we're collecting stuff here. And Tim Tim Glisson, part of our family of the church here, he's going to haul it down there. If you want to go with him, you need to go to our website, and it's really clear. Just go to the website and sign up and say, I want to come. Tim is going to be sort of leading our projects as we go. Not too long after that, we're going to go down with a team of people to do what we can do, and we'll just keep you posted on all that. So this will be sort of organic. As time goes on, platforms will be available to help us go down and work and figure out how we can help. Right now today, it is the case that there's nowhere to stay because it's all torn up. So the, you might as well just stay home. And, to, and drive down and come back because otherwise you're going to be in St. Pete for a hotel or something, maybe Bradenton. You just can't get very close and stay overnight. So Kathy and Tim are going to be sort of making sure that we all know what to do. And when we get a trip ready to go, we will go. It's probably going to be one night or two nights or something, but we'll go down there. And we'll just keep doing what we can do. What we can do. But what, we've, what we have is a place where people need help. And what Nancy says is that the, the young families... They were just devastated, and they don't have as much resources. And then what we all know already is many of the people 
who don't have insurance are the most vulnerable because they live in less than solid housing. Many of them live in temporary, I mean, like in trailers and stuff like that. They were blown away. So we had all these people who need help. And we're just going to do our very best to focus, at least uh, for now, on this platform of getting stuff down there. We'll just keep you posted as it goes. How's that, Kathy? A big trailer full. So I, I'm turning to her to make sure I said everything as clear as she wanted me to say. Am I good? How did I do this time? I didn't do so well at the uh, first service. Am I better? You should have gotten up here and done it. Excuse me. We good? We good with that? By the way, McLean prayed for Ben Powell the father of Sarah McDonald. She's this fine person right here taking pictures. So we are a family, and if you want to give her a hug and tell her you're praying for her dad, you just go right on ahead and do it. Not right now. I'm probably going to So we're going to live, we're going to love, we're going to launch. That's what we're here for today. And what we're going to find out is that we are launched people because we've been loved, and we can flourish in life because we've been loved. And we're just going to take a look at it. And the way I'm getting at it is to suggest to you that, that you need to know about my very unscientific, ad hoc, anecdotal survey that I've been doing about what families talk about. Remember, we're, we're going to be launched like a rocket. That's the goal here this morning. And I made a list of things that I thought our family kind of growing. Kathy and I were empty nesters, but we raised two boys, and they're outstanding. They're awesome. And so we had a great, we just had, we had a great life raising our family. What we talk about in our family, what are the kind of regular topics of conversation? Well, the first one that comes to my mind because I'm miserable right now is sports. <laughs> but we talk about sports all the time. And so do you, many of you. You're just as immature as I am. I mean, I am so immature, so shallow. I'm so upset. I couldn't sleep last night. Ah! Anyway, it's just the reality. Believe me, my sons are just as immature. They could, they're miserable right now. Anyhow, that's that. What else do you talk about in your family? You probably talk about work. And I mean work in the broadest sense. I mean, I mean work in the sense of many of us have jobs and we get paychecks, and that's our vocation. Some of us are staying home taking care of families, and that's just as hard and just as demanding as having a, a job where you get paid, but you're doing that. You may mean teaching worth, work ethic to your children and watching them do the lawn incorrectly and you have to make them do it over. Whatever we mean by work, but a lot of conversation in, about am I enjoying work? I, my boss is driving me nuts. I'm really tired. I'm scared about what I got to do. I'm nervous. Whatever it is, it's just a routine part of our regular, ordinary, everyday life in our homes. At least I think it is. That's my hunch. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the case. We talk in my family, and I think you talk a lot about relationships all over the board. Your kids, and their relationships, their friendships. Some kids are bully, or they get a little older and they're starting to date, and you just give your whatever about that. And so you're you're talking about your own relationships if you're a married person with your spouse. And all so relationships is I think a common, ordinary, everyday thing that we all talk about. We talk about faith. And some of us do a lot of that, some of us do a little of that, but we talk about what we believe. We may you may go home and talk about what happens in here today. Who knows? But that's a common thing that people do in their families. And again, we're a family. A church is a family of people, Jesus followers. So we want to be people who can talk about all these things also. I, in my, our family, we talked about the future, and we meant a lot of things like that, like where are you going to go to college or 
we talk, Kathy and I talk about the future. Everybody talks about what's coming next. It could be the next vacation. It could be any number of things. It could be where are we going to live if we're deciding to move? Do I take that job? Do I want to move over there? Who knows? But I think you're probably wondering about the future in any number of ways. And in your family, sort of ordinary kind of conversations, you kick it around. And that's what we do in families. Families that have children, this is what I hear, you talk a lot about how much time they're on computers and technology and video games and stuff like that. So the, here's the thing that I want to make sure that we all know that we have to also talk about. You do it regularly in your family, and we want to do it regularly in this family, and we want to take all the anxiety out of it. And the thing that we need to talk about regularly in this family, and you already talk about in your family, is, are you ready for me? Drum roll, please. Money. I got one back there with me, helping me with the drum roll. We talk about money all the time in our family, and you're doing it in your homes, and we want it to be a natural part of this church family. And that's what we're, doing, that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about money a little bit. Now, here's what you need to know about money and families in American culture. The tension over money in families is way at the top of the list about what's causing trouble oftentimes leading to marriages not making it. I mean, I don't, I don't know what else you would put up at the top of the list. There are a couple of other strong candidates, but it's top three. So it is a real dynamic tension for us in our everyday lives, and it shows up in our families. It just does. It's just a part of who we are. So we have to talk about it. We have to be mature about it. We have to be honest about it. We have to be calm about it. We have to take all the anxiety about talking about it out of the equation so we can just move forward so that you know why we want to do that? Because when we get that one right, we live flourishing. We flourish in life. We love well, and we launch. And that's what we want to have. Our, all of this stuff about family, but just for today, I want to be thinking about how money can be a part of how we're launched into the world full of love and exploding into the world doing good, loving things. And this hurricane thing is just one of them. The man in the video, McLean played that video called From Right Now Media, and the man that stood in the room and said, do you know what it makes you if you've made a mistake with money? And, everybody, and then he said, it makes you over 12. His name is Dave Ramsey. And he, some of you have heard of him. He used his stuff. He's this grand, fantastic Christian leader who talks about money all the time. And he's got slogans coming one out, outside and the other. One of them is, it, it's called Financial Peace University. So the question, the challenging question, are you, am I at peace with my money? Am I at peace with my finances, with my situation? And I'm going I'm, I'm to say to you, I am. And here's one of the ways. It just happened over time. But Dave Ramsey has a little slogan, another slogan. He says, here's how you do it. Here's how you come to peace with your finances. You ready? You're gonna, you don't even need to write this down. You're going to be able to remember it. And you do it in this order. This is the order we do it in. According to Dave Ramsey, if we want to win with our finances, if we want to have financial peace, here's how it works. Give, save, Spend. Should I repeat it? You didn't catch that, did you? I'll do it again. Give first. He says that. He's lost his mind. Give, save, spend the rest. But he, I'm cheating because he sticks two more in there. You're going to see the obvious nature of these. Give, pay your taxes. Anybody running from the man? <laughs> Third, 
save and invest. So add both of those together, save and invest. Fourth is reduce debt. Remember now we're going in chronological order here. Give, pay taxes, save and invest, reduce debt. Then finally, spend the rest. Now, what's true for most of us, this is not meant in any way to be anything other than help for us all. Don't think you're alone if your spending is way out in front of being able to do any of those other things. Because our, our spending and lifestyle habits, usually for many of us, choke the ability out to be able to do those other four things. Now, most of us pay our taxes, but we have, we're not able to do the other things perhaps the way we'd like to. And remember, we want to be living, flourishing in life. We want to be loved and we want to love others. And we want to explode and launch into the world being people that are just free and winning. And so that's the goal of today. That's the goal of what we're talking about. We're talking about how can that happen to us. And we have these three words, live, love, launch. And let me just tell you, if I could be grammatical with you, live, love, launch, I want you to understand them as grammatical imperatives. Now, what I mean by that is not colloquial sense of imperative, but grammatical. They are commands, biblical commands. Live, and it's plural. You, plural, live. You, plural, love. You, plural, launch. And this is the biblical message that I want, to, I want to portray for you this morning, starting with the very first page of the Bible. You ready? Genesis chapters 1 and 2. Here's what happens in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. God said, I believe I'm going to make me a universe. God said, I believe I'm going to create reality, including physical reality. That's what it says, not in exactly those words. God made everything. Now listen to what I said. God made everything. Ooh, start sitting down on top of that for a minute. Guess what that means? You didn't make it. I didn't make it. And then it says this. Genesis 1 says, God made us in his image. God made everything. God made us, and we're made in God's image. We are image bearers. And then God does this. He tells us he loves us. He loves us. He made us because he's just exploding with love. He says, I, I want to make me some people. I'm going to love them. And he made us like himself. And one of the things that means is that we are his partners. Notice carefully in those first two chapters, we're thriving. We're full of life and love. And we're launched on the project of making the garden fantastic. Flourish is a fantastic word. And that's what the human beings are doing. They're living in a flourishing way. They're on assignment from God as God's partners, making the universe a phenomenal place, using the agricultural realities of the time that the thing was written. Gardens and trees and plants and animals. And everything's great. There are no problems. There's no cancer. You ain't got a job. It's just fantastic. And that's what we do. We're God's partners. It's all made by God. God owns it all. And we've just been put in charge of it. And we get to go do cool stuff with God's stuff, making flourishing life for all reality, for all beings. And then chapter three, bam. Then chapter three, bam. It's called theologically, we call it the fall. It means human beings rebelled. We have another word for it, sin. And what, here's two really critical piece, things about sin. One is this. 
and it has to do with our material possessions. We decided that it was ours. Ooh. It's not ours. How hard is that to think about my bank account? Ain't really mine. Well, I mean, it is yours. If, you, if, it's, if it's in your name, it's yours. It's certainly not mine. But it really ain't yours. And mine really ain't mine. It's God's. So the two pieces of the fall with respect to this conversation are we think it's ours. And even more deadly coming along behind that is we think we're in control of it. But see, we're the image bearers of God. We're God's partners. We're launched by God into God's world to help love and life flourishment and all of that. And we go on projects with God's stuff, as God's managers of God's stuff that we get to enjoy, and then we go and do good stuff with it, cool stuff. It ain't ours, and we're not in control of it. But see, we think we are. And that's the battle that we've been fighting ever since. There are a lot of other ways that human beings rebel against God, but with respect to the physical planet and our material possessions, it just doesn't belong to us. And what, what uh, Ramsey says is when we get that straight, when we figure it out, peace... We have financial peace. So I can talk about financial peace a little bit, sort of down the road of life and how I have grown into some of it myself, how we have grown into it, some of it ourselves. And I can say that, and I'm happy to say it uh, and be very, very um, uh, transparent. Here's, this happened to, in the first service, somebody who was in the service told me what happened a long, long time ago, 34 and a half years ago, right? I was snow skiing with this man in Colorado, and we had one kid, and while I'm out there, Kathy did not go, and I get a phone call from, from Kathy saying she was pregnant with Reed. Now, this man remembered this. I was with him in Colorado, in Eagle Vale. He, he said, yeah, I remember clearly. We were all sitting around, and Fitz, you got a phone call from Kathy, and she said she was pregnant, and it turns out to be Reed. He's awesome, by the way. And so, so um, I, I was excited, and then this is what he, Mike told me. I said, I went, oh, how am I going to pay for it? I, wouldn't, I don't think I was laughing. <laughs> so Kathy and I had an 1,100-square-foot house. It had one teeny old bathroom and one teeny little bedroom we used and one teeny other little bedroom where the other kid was already. And literally, I just sighed. I'm oh, how am I going to pay for it? Well, God is good. We paid for it. <laughs> Somehow, I can remember being so intimidated by the estimate of what it was going to take to make that house bigger so that I could have two kids and one wife. And at the time, I didn't have a dog, but we added that to the equation too. It just didn't, it just was intimidating to me. But what I want you to know is I said, give, save, spend the rest. And so what's happened over time is Kathy and I have gotten to the place where we do that. Now, I say that, except she has no idea. So I'm picking on her. She has no clue. Kathy, do you have any clue? Could she, she couldn't get into an electronic rec, uh, bank account if her life depended on it. She just wouldn't. Now, she could learn it, but she doesn't want to learn it. She's happy for me to do it. I could be stealing her blind. I could have a house in the Bahamas, and she wouldn't know it. She, just, she has no idea. In fact, however, I'm trustworthy. Now, part of what happened to me is I started growing, and it's, it's, I've grown exponentially, really. When I was a kid growing up, we didn't have very much, and we had enough. We had food, and, but if there was anything extra... I had to find a way to earn the money and buy it. So I needed, I wanted to work a mow lawn, so I bought a lawnmower with my money. I wanted to be able to ride a bicycle so I could deliver papers, so I bought a bicycle 
with my money? Where did I get the money? I don't remember, but I worked for it. I wanted to bride a surfboard. So where did I get the money? From the lawnmower and the paper route. And then I bought the surfboard with cash when, I, when it was built. I ordered it and came back and bought it. It's just how I was raised. But that sounds great, and it was a good worth ethic, except I was insecure. So the way I handled the financial things in my family was insecurity, so I was miserable inside. That's a little strong, but I was just so uncomfortable. I didn't beat Kathy up, she tells me, but I beat myself up. I tried to count every penny I spent when I was in my mid-30s. Drove myself nuts. I had a budget, and I lived with it, and by the grace of God, we've never had an emergency, so I have not had to come out or whatever to pay for something that was not planned but I've never purchased anything that I couldn't afford to pay for. So I don't have anything at the end of the month. I mean, I pay the credit card off on purpose with the credit card so I get the extra 1%, right? Right. But I'm not buying stuff I can't. I'm, just, I'm not bragging. I'm not telling you. That's not the point here. The point is, by the grace of God, we're good. We just are. We're rich by the grace of God. So, yeah, I can afford the two kids now. <laughs> but that's, Kathy and I just, that's where we are. But what I wanted you to understand is that I learned how to do the give, save, spend the rest, and it took a long time for me to get to where I am today. It's over time. Here's, here's the word of encouragement. I'm, I'm no financial advisor. I'm just telling you. I'm right now excited because I just turned my taxes in for 2021. I'm keeping track of what's going on in 2022, and I have a list at home, and I know exactly where it is, but she, of course, doesn't. I know exactly where it is of what, what giving we're going to do in 2023. I can't wait. I can't wait for 2023 because it means I get to give again to many things. And so that's kind of cool. So I'm telling you that because of the grace of God, God used my family background and my own insecure way of responding to the financial uncertainties to grow me into a person who learned finally over time how to give first and save. I think I saved enough and then spend the rest. And that's, that's where we are today. And I, you just can't, it's just, can't, I, I'm at peace. So I'm a living, te- I never went to Dave Ramsey. Have, I, w- I just know who he is because I recognize his voice. He's on 10, 10 a.m. Money Talk Radio, if you want to hear him. I just never did it. So I just did it through the school of hard knocks, the way I was raised, and listening to generous people in this church family beginning about 15 years ago. And I heard them talking about giving first. I was the pastor. I wasn't giving first. Here's what many of us do. I was sort of doing this. We do our best. We want to be generous. We're not stingy. We want to help. But we get to the end of the month and we got a credit card payment or we got something we would like to help have happen. We got to make the credit card payment. And what we end up happening, and I don't mean this judgmentally, but it is funny and it's descriptive. What we are only able to do is tip God. And you don't, you don't want to tip God. God doesn't need it. Oh, that's not it at all. God and I don't want anything from you. I don't want anything from you. I want something for all of us. You know what I want? Peace. I want to win with it. I want to launch so that I'm free to be the person who can go and do stuff within the realm that I, of the resources that I have to make a difference. I want to matter. And you do too. But the hard news is today is that in order to do that, I don't know how to break this to you. You're going to need a budget. <laughs> You're going to have to have a budget. Let's look at a guy who was broken and lost and stingy, but lonely and desperate and hurting, and how he lived into the presence of Jesus 
experienced Jesus' love, and then ends up getting launched into a new way of living. His name is Zacchaeus. This is in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, the first nine verses. So we're going to read about Zacchaeus here. Jesus entered Jericho. Jericho is about 18 or 20 miles north and east, north and east of Jerusalem. So Jesus is on his way in Luke's gospel to Jerusalem to be executed. And if you read the gospel, you see this flow. And so not chapter 19, Luke has 24 chapters. The story is almost over. So Luke is on his way and he's, I mean, Jesus is on his way to Jericho. He's passing through. Now look at this next thing. A man was there in Jericho by the name of Zacchaeus. Okay, here he is. He's a chief tax collector and he's wealthy. Chief tax collector means this. The system was you collect taxes and you send them to Rome. Now he's a Jewish person. Jericho is a Jewish city. All the people are Jewish. He's one of the people, but he's a traitor and a thief because not only is he a tax collector, he's a chief tax collector. He's got himself a Ponzi scheme going. He's got eight or 10 collectors working for him, but he gets a cut of their action. It's a good gig if you can get it, right? But he's robbing his own people, and most of them were working poor. You, you with me? I'm a working poor person. I hate Rome, but I have to pay the taxes. And the, my own guy has turned on all of us because he's greedy. He's lost, and he's taking my money. He's taking a cut of it, and he's sending the head tax on to Rome. And Zacchaeus was a, an outcast socially in the community of faith, the Jewish people. They, no, he was just not, he was miserable, lonely, and lost. But look at what's going on here. Watch this. Chief tax collector, he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. Whew. I hope that's why you came in this morning. I hope you want desperately, if more than anything else, I hope you want to know who Jesus is. I want to be a person that wants to know who Jesus is. Something's stirring in Zacchaeus' misery. He wants to see who Jesus is. He's heard stories. This is not the regular kind of a fellow, this guy Jesus. And Zacchaeus is a sawed-off short little dude, so he has to run down the street because he can't see through the crowd. But here he is. If he's in the crowd, they're throwing elbows because they do not like him. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd, and he was also getting black eyes. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree, sycamore fig, to see Jesus, since Jesus was making his way along. So there you have this hungry, emotionally, spiritually hungry, hurting, outcast, rich guy who's been mistreating people in order to gain his wealth. It's just, it's just that simple. The very thin layer of what you and I would call middle class and wealthy people. And most people worked and they took everything they could do six days a week to keep food on the table. But still had to pay the tax. So we'll look what happens next. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, he knows his name. No matter who we are, Jesus knows our name. Just as we are. We come to him as we've sloganed around First Pres. It's okay not to be okay. Come as you are. Why do we say that? Here's why. Because we need to hear it. Just as you are. Just as I am when I was 28 or 32 and scared to death about money. And over time, it took a long time, decades. Then I, God transformed me. Look how fast Zacchaeus gets transformed. He's a living, loving, launched human being. Watch what happens. Zacchaeus. Get out of the tree. Come down immediately. 
I must stay at your house today. Now, we, don't, we miss this. That's a very intimate invitation. We invite people into our houses, and it's not intimate. In this culture, Jewish culture, if you invited somebody to come to your house for a, for a meal, that's a pretty intimate engagement. And Jesus says, I'm coming. In other words, I want to be deep with you. I want to go deep with you, son. We're going to get this thing figured out. So Zacchaeus can't believe it. He's hungry, remember. He was trying to figure out who Jesus is, and he ran to get to him. He comes down at once. He welcomes Jesus. It says, gladly. Now watch what happens to the crowd. The crowd are judging. They hate Zacchaeus. And now they're tempted to put Jesus in the same box. Look what it says. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he, that is Jesus, has gone to be the guest of a sinner, an intimate friend with a scumbag. And you and I, we're tempted to judge scumbags and think they're outside the pale of Jesus' love and transformational power. We heard it powerfully said, if you were here last week, when the man talking about foster families and most of the foster children are taken away from their parents because of abuse. And it's really easy to see those abusive parents as scum. Not to Jesus. Not to that agency called Dora Hope. They're trying to love, usually men. And here, here Jesus is loving this guy who everybody else thinks is a scum. They got their own work to go do to get over that. But we're just going to stop and, and realize Zacchaeus is about to explode because he's getting loved on by Jesus and life is flourishing for him soon. Watch what happens next. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Jesus, look, here and now, I'm going to give half of my possessions to the poor. Always, always on God's mind are the poor. And we get to be a part of it. But Zacchaeus has assets. Now notice what he has. He has assets. He's not a guy just eating, spending what he makes, living paycheck to paycheck. No. I'm giving half of it to the poor. I don't know how much he had, but he was able to make a profound change in what he did with his resources because he, his heart was changed. You see what happened? That's the launch. It's way more powerful than that unbelievable booster rocket we saw. This is a corrupt, broken a lonely, angry, hurting man who's now, whoo. Why? Because he got loved by Jesus. He didn't create this out of himself. He gets loved by Jesus. The next thing you know, he's an unbelievably great lover. Look at what he does. I'm giving half of it to the poor. Always the poor need help. But then look what else he says. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, and then what he means by that, and you just trust me with the Greek there, it means if you are one of the people I've cheated, come on over, fill out the application, tell me how much I cheated you out of, and I'm going to not just give you back twice that, which is what the Jewish rule said. I'm giving you four times. He doubled down. So if you're poor and he ripped you off, he's making you whole times four. This is a new man. Is that awesome? Nobody made him do anything. It's just the presence of Jesus in his life. All of a sudden, he starts creating ways to be unbelievably launched. And why? It's, it's love. He's been loved just as he is, right where he is, and made into a new dude. And there he goes, making a difference that really matters. And Zacchaeus is now at peace. Now, look at this last line. This is fantastic. Jesus' response to all of this. Today, salvation has come to this house. Salvation means a lot of things, but here it means literally being rescued from death into life. It means being healed. The word just plain old healing, emotionally, spiritually, physically healing. Because this man too now 
is a son of Abraham. What that means is he's been restored to the family. He can go back and hang out with his peeps. He's not going to be hated anymore. He's making it right. He's making whole the people he ripped off. And they're going to welcome him back. And they would. Because when they see the response to the poor, and when those who have been harmed by him get put back right, they'll, they'll love him. They will. Contrast him. You may be saying, well, I'm not wealthy, so this ain't got nothing to do with me. I got you right where I want you. <laughs> Watch this next one. This is Luke still, two chapters later, chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. Watch what happens here. Jesus looks up. He saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also sees a poor widow put it in two very small copper coins, probably about two days labor wages. Multiply 16, two days times eight times 11 bucks an hour. Let's do it that way. Truly, I tell you, He said, the poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, and she put in all she had to live on. So this woman and Zacchaeus, they're in the same place. You see what I'm trying to say? What I'm trying to say is she's flourishing in life, not materially, but she's at peace because for some reason she wants to just give. And there she goes launching. And this is not accounting. Obviously, her two coins don't add up to whatever a lot of money that the, the wealthier people put in there. But we're not talking about accounting. We're talking about God's kingdom. In the kingdom of God, her heart was wide open to the goodness of God. And I don't know anything about those other people and what they put in there. The only person we got to critique today was Zacchaeus. But we got to see him critiqued and then made whole. He got made whole. Zacchaeus got made into a launched human being in the world. I want to be like Zacchaeus. I want to be a person that lives that way. And I, here's, here's what I want you to know. In order to, for this to happen for us, I mentioned it at once. I hate to break it to you. You're going to have to have a budget. <laughs> There's no way around this. You want to know when you leave here and what the homework is to be a, fo- a follower of Jesus? Budget. I can't believe that. Is that unbelievable? That's not spiritual. Oh, yes, it is. Our money is as much a part of our spiritual life as anything else. It's prayer, it's reading scripture, it's singing songs, it's serving hurricane victims. Money. I don't want anything from you. I want something for you. I want something for me. I want to be at peace. I want to win with my finances. So here's what I want you to do. Real concrete assignments. Take, pick all of them. It requires a budget to be able to do what I'm about to say. However, you pay, pay for your next vacation, which means A, take a vacation. B, pay for it with cash. Don't, inc- don't incur any debt to get it done. Now, I don't mean that you have to use dollar bills. Use your credit card, but pay it off at the end of the month. Don't, don't go on a vacation that you can't pay off at the end of the month. Does that make sense? I got hit with a technicality when I said that earlier. Fitz, I don't want to use folding money. So use your credit card. Just pay it. I mean, you're the one coming home from vacations with a hangover because you spent too much, right? And I I said that to this person, not to you. Here's another thing. Budget. Pay for vacation with cash. In other words, don't overspend. Manage the vacation plans according to what you know you have to pay for that trip. Two, if you have kids and they're not in college yet, the only way you're going to be able to help them pay for college is start saving. If you don't have a budget, you won't start saving. I'll keep going on that track. Three, 
if you're a person that gets a paycheck and you plan one day to not get a paycheck, in other words, the word we use around here is retirement, the first thing you need to know is there is no retirement from being launched by Jesus into the kingdom expansion projects in the world. You're going to keep serving Jesus till you croak, and then you're with him face to face, right? But if you don't work for a paycheck anymore, you better start saving now. If you aren't saving for not having to work, you're going to be keeping working, or you'll be one of the people that the rest have to come help because you're poor. And you don't want to be that. But you can decide now that I'm going to save. There's another thing that happens, and that's you have emergencies. If you don't have a budget, you won't have any money saved. For if you run over a nail in your $425 tire, got the nail through the side where they can't repair it, and you got to come out of pocket for $425. How many, I, if, you, if you park around here, it may happen because we're under construction. Well, I'm going to stop. If, if you do all those things, guess what happens? You're going to win. Your, your finances are going to be in order. You're going to be at peace. And you're going to feel launched as a family. And we're going to feel launched as a church family. Jesus doesn't want something. He doesn't need this money. He doesn't need money. You kidding me? He wants you and me to be at peace. And we want to be the family where we can talk about money without being uptight, without worrying somebody's trying to fleece you. We just want to talk about it in ways that end up where we all are winners. I want to be a winner with my finances. I want you to want to be a winner with your finances. And I want you to want to respond to being loved, live flourishingly, and launched into the projects that God puts you on, whatever they might be. And it's going to involve your money. And we know we're as a family that that's what we really want for ourselves. So let me pray and we'll be, we'll be out of here. Gracious God, we thank you for the chance that we can have to be a part of the help of these people in Cape Coral who connect in some way or other to the ministry and mission of First Presbyterian Church in Cape Coral and for Nancy Cahaya and their leader. And Nancy herself having not even been in her own home since the storm. And she's frazzled as any of us are and would be. So we pray for them and for our ability to have an influence on them in relationships and in material gifts. And gracious God, we want to be people who, because you've loved us, our lives flourish and we feel and we are launched into the project that you want, the projects that you want for us. And we know what they are. We have ideas. How, what would I do if I just went and did what I think God wants me to do? And we want our money, gracious God, to be something for, with which we are at peace and we want to be winners financially. Help us, gracious God, to take the small steps, the little steps, no matter where we are with our money, take a little step towards you each day. Maybe it, it begins with just the beginning of a budget to fix just one thing that's not working exactly right. All of us have done dumb stuff with money. You will heal all of us and make us more and more like you, your children. We, we thank you that we get to do all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Stand up. We're going to sing just one.